0: Hello everyone, this is Oscar. Welcome to Room for Pleasure. Growing up, we tend to build our sexual reality on what we hear from our social environment. But we are all unique and our needs are different. I believe normalizing talking about pleasure and sex and hearing other people's stories can inspire many of us to discover and embrace our sexuality. That's why I sit down with people I met in Lisbon to talk about in which ways they are experiencing pleasure. everyone welcome to room for pleasure today I have Kristin with me so welcome Kristin. and can you tell us a bit about yourself
1: yes of course so first of all thank you so much for inviting me to this exciting experience to your podcast um, well my name is Christine I'm from Germany I live in the beautiful city of Barcelona currently and I'm a founder of a digital health startup that helps patients with chronic diseases, and also the founder of Art to Feel Alive. And Art to Feel Alive is um, a safe space for successful entrepreneurial boss babes, so to say, to reconnect with their joy and pleasure again using therapeutic art. So I basically help people that have created their dream businesses but don't enjoy their work anymore. They feel exhausted. They feel like they built the, the golden cage around them. I help them to connect with their passion and their business again and help them to refocus, increase their productivity, strengthen their boundaries to yeah, to work in their business, to flourish in their business, but also enjoy life. And I do this by using therapeutic art.
0: Okay, so great to have you here. Um, And how did you become interested in combining arts and sexuality uh, and become, you know, like choosing that path?
1: Yes, very, very good question. So in the beginning, when I started my education as a therapeutic art coach, I never thought that I would include sexuality at one point. But the more I learned about entrepreneurship, the more I saw that there are... um, Basically, that our sex lives, our sexuality, our direct reflection, also how we're doing in our business, at least it was the case for me. So like to give you an example, if you have a difficulty to orgasm, it could be because you have an underlying belief that you always need to control everything in life. And of course, an orgasm is not controlling it's very messy it's about letting go it's about receiving and hence you might not allow this because you don't feel safe it's the same in business In if you create your own business if you're an entrepreneur you can't control everything you might try to do it but you will eventually burn out so you also need to learn to let go and receive and um there's so many more like um uh, basically mirrors i saw also with pleasure like do you allow yourself the pleasure of being touched do you allow the, yourself the pleasure of sex and how does that reflect in your in your business on your life do you allow yourself pleasure in your life in your work with your friends or how confident are you are you in bed how confident are you in your business and the more i started to see like these these connections the more I, I, for myself, I had to integrate working with sexuality, integrate working with sensuality. And yeah, then I started to go to the root. I looked at my vulva and from there, because I always use art, I started to draw her. And with this, I started basically the journey of working with, yeah, with my own sexuality, with my own body throughout.
0: That's amazing. And um, can you share some examples how uh, creating this Volvo art has helped women uh, with, like, connecting with their bodies? Or have you noticed any, like, transformative experiences? It can be something personal as well about you or, like, you know, someone you know, maybe.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, there's... I think there's many many changes of course always depends on where you are in your personal healing journey where where you are with yourself how connected you are with yourself but um, one thing I definitely notice for for a lot of women I work with is confidence so one woman once told me that after doing the vulva drawings she like really felt like a a new sense of confidence you know like a, a trunk within her that's suddenly like built and it makes so much sense because our vulvas are our most sacred parts they give life they give us creativity they give us so much but if we don't connect with her if we maybe shame her then this also this brings us down and this affects our our confidence on a on a very very deep level so so Taking out your, your vulva from the darkness of your underwear into into the light and like really looking at her, I think is already like an amazing step. And there's so many women that haven't done that. And then afterwards, like creating art from your vulva is like a new level of honoring your vulva, of of um of loving yourself, of yeah, of really accepting yourself. And this like builds. As I've seen and also as I can testify from myself, this builds a lot of confidence, like a very deep level of confidence. And then um, another another client or another woman shared with me that she understood again from the Vulva drawing that our bodies are physical vessels. So basically she imagines that um, our bodies like a vase and our soul is the, the flower inside. And like looking or reconnecting with her vulva allowed her to like see this vase and like clean this vase and make this vase like stand out beautiful again so that her soul and like her inner expression can shine again. So super, super, super beautiful. Um, And one example I also have, which I loved, was uh, one woman after the the workshop sessions, she said like her vulva was talking to her, her vulva was like, you need to listen to me. You really, really need to listen to me. (laughs) And I find this amazing because, of course, do you listen to your vulva? I mean, I did not for a long time. I just, like, ignored her, basically. And she really had, like, this experience of, of, like, okay, her vulva talking to her, her vulva like giving her the directions of being like, okay, you need to listen to me. I'm giving you signals here and I expect you to listen because I'm trying to help you. But if you're not listening, how how can I help you? So this I also find really incredible. And I noticed this in my own life as well. Um, sometimes when I'm in doubt of what to do or I feel small, then I, I take a mirror, I look at my vulva and do a drawing. And usually like some ideas, some solutions come up. So I think the yeah the message is just connecting with ourselves with our vulvas, looking at our bodies, accepting and loving ourselves, and we will get all the answers that we that we need.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so nice. Actually, like you are giving just one tool, uh, this easy tool to people, and how like you know transformative it can go as a result. It's really inspiring to listen and yeah for men it's out there like everything is visible everything is quite like 3d you know you directly see since you're a child they a child but for us it's like as you said like what's going on under this underwear like uh, do we really how many of us to really take a mirror and look down there and do we really know like how it everything sits down together so it's really really nice Hmm. Okay, so then I would also like to ask you uh, about this like common misconceptions that you see or taboos uh, surrounding female sexuality that you encounter during your workshops or amongst your friends, like something which is very, you know, repeating...
1: Yeah, um, I think there's many. I think we're conditioned, unfortunately, with a lot of taboos and misconceptions around our own bodies. And I think it already starts with the, the terms we use. So a lot of women I talk to, they don't know the difference between vulva and vagina. They think it's the same, or maybe they've never heard of the word vulva. So already this is like the first step to know like, our female anatomy to know like the words to know okay the vulva is actually the outside part that we can see with the clitoris that are here and all of that and the vagina is the, the inside part that goes inside but a lot of women don't know that and i think already that starts like knowing our own anatomy because we know it for men and men know their own anatomy as well um i think already this gives us like that will give us a sense of empowerment that we might not have before and also helps us if we are communicating with our partners. Like how do you tell someone what you like if you don't know how to name your body parts? It's it's a lot more difficult. Um then what I also see is a lot of judgment, a lot of judgment that women have about themselves, um because of yeah, because of what we see in porn of what we see online or what is portrayed online. Like how should the perfect vulva look like? It's it's always like pinkish, has like very small labia. is like no hair. And that's like, if you don't look like this, you're not normal. So I, I see a lot of judgment about like that women have about their own bodies because maybe one labia is a little bit bigger or, or they have more hair. And so it's like really re-educating and showing there are so many different sizes, shapes, and colors. I mean, like, we're all different. We all have different hair, different faces, different bodies. So our vulvas are also different, and it's completely normal, and it's completely beautiful that way. Um, so there's also a lot of, like, addressing the self-acceptance and self-love part. And then what I also see, what is quite strong is shame. So shame to, um, yeah, to, to look at your own vulva, to look at your own body, to connect with your own body, to talk about your body or to talk about your sexuality, um, maybe to talk about your preferences. So I think this is something, yeah, I think it's very deep conditioning that we just have learned, okay, our, our vulvas, our bodies are not worthy of receiving this love, um, which we have learned for many, many, many hundreds of years, and now we continue these kind of feelings within us. And um, yeah, I think it's time to break through this and release the shame because there's nothing, nothing shameful about our bodies. I mean, we're all here because some vulva, some vagina birthed us into onto okay. this planet.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I think almost every of them I can relate uh, these all like uh, pillars, especially with the judgments. I remember like until I think more than 18, maybe 19, 20, I was still thinking like, yeah, there's this Barbie vulva. Every vulva should look like that. You know, if not, it's ugly, blah, blah. But then I remember going onto the internet and then searching and seeing uh, there was this uh, book uh, gathering all the visuals, like 40 something different vulvas. It was so relieving for me to, you know, see something like that in front of me. And when thinking it's like 20s, it's quite late for it. Of course, it's never late, but, you know, like, what are we consuming? What we don't know is really affecting us. So, yeah. And I just want to, and now have a pop-up question about this communicating with partners, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you uh like you are someone uh who is aware of doing all these drawings you know this is a part of your life aware of your body and everything if you compare um your confidence and communication with your partners um how do you think it affected you like was it something already enough just knowing what's there and then you know you can you could directly go to your partners and tell them what you want or did you or are you, I don't know, still lacking some other things while communicating? Because I think that's really important.
1: Yes, no, it's it's, it's super important. And I think it's not just only about um, knowing how to label your own body and connecting with your own body. I think it's also a matter of effective communication, like literally learning how you can communicate effectively. So it, like in the moment, kindly, and with an open mind so that the other person understands. And um, yes, I mean, if I look at my, my, my past relationships, I didn't have this, like I didn't have these tools. I didn't know how to express myself and say, I like this and I don't like that. I basically just went along with what was happening because that's how I learned it should be. And I'm still I'm still in the discovering phase of like really learning to say what I what I like and like communicating this with my partner. Um, but I feel like I'm getting better at it more and more. And also I think for me it plays a big role that uh, my partner's really conscious too and like actually asks me and really wants to know so I, I feel really safe to share um, because in past relationships I, I didn't always feel safe to really share what I what I liked. So I think I'm still on the way. I feel like I'm going. I'm going well, but um, yes, definitely, I'm um, still work in progress.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, then, yeah, I have one juicy question here. Uh, what is one thing that is non-sexual that turns you on?
1: <laughs>
0: what a nice question! I
1: love it. Food, really food. I love food, <laughs> and it's it's like even more exciting if I see someone preparing cooking the food and then i know the food will be amazing and afterwards i can eat it is like literally having an orgasm in my mouth <laughs> so i know it's not sexual but i i could make it sexual if i wanted
0: <laughs> yes okay then yeah, someone maybe making the effort for you with the cooking and everything is something turning you on yes yes, yes. Oh, nice okay Uh then I would like to ask, uh, what role do you believe pleasure and sexual awareness play in our overall well-being, uh, looking from a more holistical, you know, point of view? And yeah, what do you think about this maybe in general?
1: Um, yeah, I think pleasure and sexuality in general, they play very, very crucial roles. They are pillars of our well-being. Um, I think if we're blocked sexually, or generally, like wherever we're blocked in our life, this affects all parts of our life. If we're blocked sexually, this will affect our business, this will affect our relationships, this will affect um, how we enjoy life. And then uh, maybe looking at it from a more, a little bit more scientific point of view, um, what we can see is that pleasurable and sexual experiences, or sexual experiences that we enjoy, they can release endorphins. They can reduce stress, anxiety. They can even relieve physical pain. Um, so like having a healthy sexual relationship or having a healthy um, awareness around your sexuality can already improve like your emotional well-being on a physical level. For me, for example, I'm... Um, in, in the past now I'm not so much anymore, but in the past when I couldn't sleep, I used to masturbate and then after I masturbated, I could sleep super well. So for me, this is like the best example of like, okay, the, the orgasm, the, the pleasure, like really calms me down, releases my stress. And then afterwards I can sleep. Um, and then I also think, um, it like sexuality, sensuality, pleasure, it affects our relationships um so if we're in a relationship where we feel like we can sexually be open where we can really create this level of intimacy like generally our well-being will be higher in comparison to if there might be sexual problems or you might not know how to communicate with your partner and frustration might build and then we all know if our relationships are not well it it deeply 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 affects us um so yeah i think they're crucial pillars and we should do like same as we exercise so as we feed ourselves we should look after our sexuality after our pleasure to make sure our general state of being as well
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and I also had a question earlier that I forgot to ask but I think I can still ask Uh, because yeah now that I'm talking to this very aware you know uh, brave woman I'm just curious about Uh, the roots actually like while you were growing up what kind of uh, sexual education did you get and uh, how did you put on top or like I don't know uh, made yourself in that roots education wise
1: well I think the short answer is not really I did I receive any sexual education so if I if I look at my parents' place, my parents, they they never talked about sex. Like between them, I never heard them talk about sex. To me my sister, they never talked about sex. So it was what I learned. It was like, it's this super taboo topic. It's not okay to talk about it. And I even remember sometimes as a family, we were watching a movie and then come like some sexual scene comes up. And I remember like the awkward silence in the room, everybody hoping that the scene will go away very soon. And so, from my parents, I learned okay, completely taboo. In school, I remember that we only once had like um, like a sex education day where we went to another building, and there, um, at least from what I remember, they educated us on consent and how important consent is, and. Um, they gave us these um, these wooden penises, and we had everybody had to put condoms on it.
0: Oh, so that's okay. what we
1: learned. So important consent and um, mm-hmm. contraception, or, or yeah, protection basically. But as far as I remember, we didn't learn about different types of orgasms or pleasure or like so many other things that connect to this. So yeah, I generally just learned okay, sex is taboo. You don't talk about it. Or it's like very mechanical. You you do A B C and then it's done. And yeah, for a long time I was I was living like this. So for like I had some like some bad relationships, but because of this I chose to have sex even though my body didn't want to, but I didn't know how to communicate. You know, I just didn't know how to say no in the moment because I learned it's not okay to talk about this. So and also like the taboos around like self-pleasuring and like uh, touching myself. I mean, I inherited all of this. And for a very long time, I, yeah, I I just played along with it because I didn't know there's another option. And then, um, yeah, I don't remember the exact moment, but I started to become more and more aware that this is not the norm, (laughs) that there's other options. (laughs) Started to talk to my friends and they also noticed a lot of taboos um, in Germany, especially or where I was from, I was fr- I'm from a small town, so maybe this also plays a role. And then, when I left um, Germany, and when I started to live in Spain, I feel like the but also I live in a big city now here the people are more the, the women I met are more open. Mm-hmm. And so I started to discussing orgasms and different techniques to do orgasms and all of this, which before I didn't know. And so I think slowly it became more normal and less of a taboo topic.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was also curious to ask you like when you compare Spain to Germany, how do you think? But yeah, I think it's also about our age. Right now, we are all like grown ups and then more open to talk, but yeah, definitely. Still I would expect much better than Germany. <laughs> Actually, only one day education. This is really disappointing. I hope it's changing now. I don't know.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean it can also be of the area where I was from, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe in the bigger cities it's different, but at least the area where I was from, I felt like it's a general taboo topic for everybody. Yeah. So, but I hope it's changing too. Yeah, hopefully.
0: And then, yes, what does pleasure mean to you and how do you make time for it in your life?
1: Um, very interesting question. So um, for a very long time of my life, because of all of these taboos and conditionings that I inherited, I, I, I really thought that pleasure is not a, one of the sensations I can feel. I thought this is just not for me. <laughs> um, I felt a lot of joy in my life at the time, but I never connected pleasure and joy in any way and just thought, okay, I feel joy, but I don't feel pleasure. And then I remember I had a therapy session um, some some time ago. And there I really had this, this reframing where I understood for the first time, okay, all the positive experiences, all the positive feelings we're having are pleasure. This is pleasurable. I'm feeling pleasure. <laughs> and for me, this opened up the world to like, oh, my God, every time I feel joy, I feel happy. Actually, I'm experiencing pleasure. And from that moment on, I really started to change my relationship to pleasure and make it a focus, like to enjoy and really integrate pleasure in all of my all areas of my life when I'm eating, when I'm walking, when I'm going to the beach, when I meet friends in my work as well. Um, So... For me, it's not so much something I make time for in my calendar because for me, it's more something I try to, like, invite in everything I have in my calendar or in my life to live the most pleasurable and joyful life I can.
0: Yeah, thank you so much again for sharing. And I was also thinking about it the other day. Like, for example, when we are on a vacation, how easy it is to feel like, yeah, it's so pleasurable, I'm so grateful, you know, saying these things to your friends, to yourself. But then when you're back to the routine, working life, you're like, yeah, getting up at seven and then going to rushing to work. And we tend to really forget about these. But I think the point is finding them actually there. So that's really, really important.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And I think it's like, it's a constant practice, you know, of course, on in holiday, it's easier. You have more time. But I think also during your normal routine, what I do, for example, is once a week, I sit down and ask myself if in the last week I was feeling pleasure and if I was enjoying my week. And if the answer is no, I look at, OK, why why was that and what can I change? And so I try to make like these conscious check-ins with myself to see, OK, where I'm at at my at my pleasure state how can I improve it or why is it not where where I want it to be but still of course I have like uh, days where where I don't feel so much pleasure where um, maybe I feel sad or something else is going on and I'm frustrated but I think generally if we try to make this conscious effort it could be maybe in the evening before going to bed okay what what am I grateful for today did I feel joy did I feel pleasure Um, I think this can change a lot, even though it's such a small, small habit to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. Then uh, moving on to our final question. Uh, What advice would you give to your younger self about sexual awareness, pleasure, uh, about life in general? Uh, Yeah. What would you say to younger Christine?
1: Um What I would say to younger Christine is, first of all, that she is a divine expression of love and light and that she has every right to express herself sexually as she wants to fully own her pleasure, fully enjoy her pleasure because we're all sexual and pleasurable beings, every single human. And that if there's any taboos that she has learned, that this is conditioning that she has learned so she can unlearn it and it's not that... It's not set in stone. Um, and every experience she had or she will have will make her stronger, will allow her to grow, will be yeah, will be nectar for her growth and will make her more, more amazing in the end. Um, and, yeah, to basically just really deep dive into feeling pleasure in every moment of her life and enjoying, enjoying her life as much as she can.
0: Yeah, that's so nice.
1: And thank you so much
0: for coming, sharing your story with us today. I'm so happy to have you. That was such a nice, uh, nice time and chatting with you.
1: Thank you so much as well for the opportunity. And thank you for creating this amazing space where where people have, to, have their space to freely talk about sexuality and sensuality. I think it's really, really needed.
0: Thank you so much, Christine. Bye.